0: hey folks here we are again it's 10 minute tuesday time today it's daddy issues daddy issues uh, let me test you on this because i could imagine that almost every one of you that are parents or in particularly if you're a father that you went straight to a feeling of oh my goodness how am i ruining my child's life how is this going to uh, implicate me and highlight the weaknesses to my parenting. So, sure, it, it may. Um, but the point of daddy issues today, uh, the, the thing that is most relevant will be you as a, a son or a daughter, you thinking about your life growing up. And and not to vilify or blame or point fingers at your dad, um, but just to understand the impact of your dad on your life. and Because everyone has daddy issues. I, I promise you, every single person... Uh, is impacted by their father Uh, i'm I'm surprised sometimes when clients are surprised by that that idea i work with someone at the moment and the presenting pain is in their marriage and so hearing about some of the dysfunction and some of the patterns my curiosity was i want to go back i want to understand where this started and so i said well tell me a bit about your dad and and she said what what do you mean I said, yeah, I'm fascinated by your relationship with your dad. Well, how could that have any relevance to my marriage? That's in the past. You know, the past is the past. That's ages ago. Like, I've been out of home for years. Um, like uh just try me here uh let's see what we can uncover and you know sure enough there's he was an absent father a distant father there was divorce you know never emotionally present and so clearly uh that has implications for how she views herself and how she thinks about men and how she thinks about her partner um another one of my clients again in, in a really difficult relationship issue and to navigate what to do in the present you, you've got to free yourself from uh, the encumbrances of the past and so exploring her daddy issues so interestingly in her in her marriage you know so she craved love affection attention deep communication and intimacy from a partner but at the same time she'd held her current partner at arm's length and trained him not to push in or come closer. She'd actually sabotaged the, re- sabotaged the relationship from the start, all the while complaining about the lack of closeness. So going back to her father, you know, we realized that he was an absent father. You know, and, and consciously, she felt that growing up with no real connection to her dad, you know, he'd left when she was eight. So she thought that had no noticeable impact on her life and how she thought about men, how she thought about relationships. She couldn't join the dots. Um but the truth was the complete opposite. You think about this from the perspective of a young girl. You know, in the most formative years of her life, she couldn't help but look to her father as a representation of men. Um, you know, the, the role of archetypal father is safety, love, provision, acceptance, validation. So she needs all those things, and the person most likely to give her all those things is her dad. So, uh, so when he doesn't give this to her, uh, it, it wounds her deeply, and and it she, the sense of rejection is is significant. That she personalised the experience, and then def, this defines her value and worth. And so, the, the powerful point of this daddy issue for her was. The first experience with men then set the tone and the generalization for all men. The the patterning was like, if my father rejected me, then all men will reject me. Second, if the man who was best placed and had most reason to love and accept me, if he couldn't find anything in me worth loving and accepting, then how will any man do the same? So then her whole strategy was preemptive. Um. You know, she lowered the expectation. Knew that men eventually would reject her, so she just got in first. Like so, uh, you know, I promise you, there's daddy issues. I promise you that there is some impact of of the way that you were fathered, uh, in and it's impacting the way you think about your life today. So, you know, first impressions matter. You come into the world desperate for a whole bunch of resources. And there is your father and you look to him as the natural source of the things that you need. And because you have such a powerful need, therefore he has such a powerful position to either meet those needs or withhold those needs. So therefore you're vulnerable to your father at a very high level. Uh, the first impressions around that set the tone for future standards. We, by the time we're seven, we pretty much made up our mind about how the world works, who we are, how relationships happen. We'd, we'd see a bunch of generalizations and patterns and then seek to confirm them further on. So, of course, the relationship with your dad is going to set the tone for a relationship with other men and, and other leaders and other uh, dominance hierarchies in your world. Um, so... The point of what I'm saying today, and I get it's a vulnerable subject, but a very important one. Um, the point I want to say is that your dad is actually a gift to you. And if you can think about this in terms of archetypes, it's a, it's a useful way to get out of the messiness of your unique experience. So when we see archetypes displayed dramatically in a book or a movie, we kind of get the fact that an archetype follows a pattern, and there's a resolution, there's a general resolution. So, you know, the classic example if you see a bully victim archetypal narrative displayed dramatically, you understand how that's supposed to resolve. That, you know, there's a range of resolutions, but the strongest resolution is that the victim will find their voice, will find their power, and against all odds will stand up and resist the bully, will fight back, will punch the bully in the nose and um, demand that this ends and if the victim does that, they'll actually break free. They will never be the victim again, whereas a weaker resolution is if, you know, the mum moves in and takes the victim to another school or or even worse, still, homeschools to remove that child from the situation. If you see that happen dramatically, you know this archetypal bully victim thing will just keep repeating. You know, that's the point. You either, you either revolve or you repeat. So... Um, Importantly, when you see the archetypal model like that, you realize that the bully has a gift for the victim. <laughs> the, the more difficult the bully makes it for the victim to find their voice, the more powerful the gift is. Because if, if the bully, which is another resolution, if the bully goes to a spiritual retreat and comes back a changed man and now is soft and humble and repentant and then does everything they can to make it up to the victim for the rest of their life, we're like, yeah, I, I get it. It's kind of nice. I was still wishing for the bully to get what he deserved, still looking for a bit of blood, Um, you know, because that gift is now weak, then it's like the victim hasn't earned, hasn't had to reclaim their power. They were just given it. So it's like, uh, they're still still vulnerable to the next bully, whereas if the victim had to fight for it and earn it at great cost, well, they'll never be the victim again. So if you kind of apply that to the archetypal, parent, child, son, daughter, father, then you realize your father has a gift for you. And this is really important because until you get his gift, you can't transcend him. The aim is to, like you, you had a father, otherwise you wouldn't be here. The aim is to include him and transcend him, to go beyond him, and then your son will have to do the same for you. But you can't transcend him if you don't include him. So to reject your father, to suppress the impact of your father, to not reconcile the impact of your father means you don't include him, and you don't—you certainly don't transcend him. In fact, you may just repeat his patterns on your son. So we're trying to increase the collective consciousness, not decrease it. Um, So your dad is a gift to you, and the gift may be obscure or unclear, and it may not be the gift you want. You know, no victim wants the gift of the bully. They want. An easier run they they feel so upset and unfair, but it's not until they go, "Oh, I get it, I get it, thank you, bully, for resisting me because it's actually not about you. you come to play a role to serve me to get free here um you, you know the gift is often often the opposite of what you expect it's the paradox of the cocoon, so for the caterpillar, the gift of flight, the gift of freedom is given in the form of the bondage of the cocoon. And the caterpillar has to transform himself inside that cocoon and break their way out. And so, if some person comes along and rips the cocoon open for them, then then the cocoon slash butterfly never sorry the caterpillar slash butterfly never builds enough strength to fly, and they're ruined. So. The resistance is the gift. Um, Marcus Aurelius said, that the obstacle is the way. So when you get it, you kind of go, ah, okay, so my father had a gift for me and it's not the one that I wanted, but it's the one that I got and if I can get the gift and I get to go free. So, you know, think about the type of father you got. Maybe you got the absent father. Maybe you got the distant father. Maybe the violent father. Maybe the alpha or dominant father. Maybe the passive father. Maybe the overprotective one. Maybe the perfect father. Uh, there by the way, even the perfect father doesn't prevent their child from having daddy issues. And so, you know, if you had an absent or a violent or an abusive father, you might dream of the fact. I wish I had the perfect father. I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding when you see the archetype of perfect father. It's sickly. It's 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 not pretty to listen to or watch. You know, I, I heard a a father of the bride's speech. I've heard a few of them actually. When it's like weird, like get a room. Like, it's something too strong. There's too much love here. This is too perfect. This is too squeaky clean. You, you This love you have for your daughter, while it might seem extraordinary, uh, it's too much. And now you'll ruin her because you've set the bar so high. You've never missed any one of her performances. You've never... You know, never said a harsh word, you've, you've always supported, always encouraged, always provided, there's nothing she can point to as a source of woundedness, oh great, so now you've set her up for failure because how will she ever replace you, how will she ever find a man who could measure up to her daddy and you've, you've prepared her, you've ill-prepared her for the challenges of life because you've always done everything for her, so you don't, you don't actually want a perfect father either, that's another challenge. The point is, every father is going to present some different challenges to you, no matter what their type. Yeah, so maybe you got the stoic father, you know, the emotionally reserved one, or the passionate father, or the driven father, or the wealthy father, or the poor father, the generous one, the greedy one, the entrepreneurial one, the stubborn one, the humble one. Like maybe a mixture of all of those. But just have a look at the dad that you got, uh, and and realise that they bring a gift to you. And similar to the bully, their gift is their resistance. The gift is how hard they make it for you to be free. So, um, like Freud says, and I've mentioned this before, um, you know, the greatest human challenge is to break free from the nest. And there are great forces at work, both within the child and the parent, that work against this independence. But all dysfunction comes from staying too long. So the aim of the game is to extract yourself from your birth family to start a new family. You know, the Bible says that as a man shall leave his mother and father and be joined to his wife. So there is a separation and a new start. Not many people make that separation very cleanly at all. And most people have have connections to their parents long after they, they were healthy. So... Um, the point is you've got to find a way out you've got to find a way to be your own person so the gift is actually how hard your dad makes it to find that independence now, the you know the, the point uh, that freud started and then uh, others many others have used this phrase most recently david Dieter, jordan peterson uh, live as though your father is dead and uh, which is not in any way a disrespectful thing it's just to highlight the fact that the gift the archetypal gift from the parent is to parent yourself that's their gift to you wherever that whatever type they were however they showed up their gift to you is to help you parent yourself. And the gift is in the form of bondage. The gift is in the form of their lack. The gift is in the form of the ways that they made it hard for you to parent yourself, the ways that you deferred to their impression of you, whether it was good or bad, right or wrong, whether it was um, adequate or inadequate. You are naturally going to defer to your father because He's the first man that you see, the first leader that you see. The archetypal father knows best. They know more than you. They tell you, you think you know what clothes to wear? No, wear these clothes. Do you think you know what subjects to choose? What TV shows to watch, what food to wear. No, do this. Why, Dad? Just because I told you. You what car you think you know what car you should buy when you get your piece. No, I think you should buy this car. What job to get? What person to marry? Like it's it's the archetypal role of the father to know more than you which, again, it makes it so hard for you to ever know what's best for you. And the tendency is to doubt your own opinion and to defer to your father's opinion of you forever. That's the point. It's hard so that when you finally go, do you know what, if I live as though my father is dead, that means I have to be my own parent. That has that means I have to find a way to give myself all the things that my dad didn't give me, not the things that he did. Hmm. That's really important because that's some serious adult work there. That's some serious self-sufficiency, which is the point of maturity, by the way, which is the point of adulthood, to be self-sufficient, not just financially and physically, but emotionally, relationally, intellectually, psychologically, spiritually. And the harder your dad makes it for you to be self-sufficient, the more you look to him, then the more profound his gift is to you. So... And uh, This is useful, right, because you might be thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm ruining my kid's life. Well, yeah, of course, that's, that's part of it. So I think about my own kids, and I think being the perfect parent is actually making it hard for them. So it, it actually pays for me to be a bit inconsistent, for me to not be there all the time, to not solve their problems, to be upset or impatient, to be short with them. Not, you know, not to try the liberty to hurt them, but just to allow them some space to think I'm an idiot from time to time. They go, Dad, you've got no idea what you're doing. Excellent. That means you're going to have to work it out yourself. That's the point here. Eventually, you're going to have to live as though I'm dead. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll constantly defer to me. If I'm perfect, if my response is perfect, if my wisdom's perfect, if my answers are perfect, if my love is perfect, you will remain a child and I'll remain your dad. And that's how this will play out and you'll never grow to your full stature. Final piece uh, is is wisdom from the Bible, again, in the form of the Ten Commandments. Number five, honor your mother and father that it may go well with you. So part of this gift from your dad is to actually honor him. And to honor means to give due weight, is to weigh him appropriately. That's an important piece because typically when I hear people talk about their dad, They cannot say a bad thing. They go to say bad things. They put, they say, yeah, this was bad. He should have done this. He did this terribly. But do you know what? I I get it. I understand what he was going through, and his dad didn't really love him. So, yeah, no problems. And it's all okay. I'm fine. You know, but if you say wrong done to you doesn't matter, then you say you don't matter. If you say you didn't deserve better, then you diminish your own humanity. You betray yourself. So to honour your father is to actually weigh his impact appropriately. It's to say, Yeah, that was that was wonderful. I'm glad my did that my dad did that. But but that he let me down. I did deserve better. He he I did deserve him to find a way through that dysfunction, to be more present, to break free from the impact his dad on him. I, I deserved him to do some personal growth, to have some self awareness. I did deserve it. And the fact that he didn't made it hard for me I get it. There's a gift in that hardness, but the point is, you you stop betraying yourself. You stop deferring to him without this honor process. So, there's great wisdom in the idea of honoring your parents, starting with your father, that it may go well with you. There's a lot of stuff there. It's a sensitive issue. I'm going to wrap it up there. If you've got any questions, you're stuck about how this applies, reach out and happy to set up coaching conversation. Hope that's useful. I'll talk to you again next week. You've been listening to the Insecurity Project podcast. All you need to solve any problem is the proven framework and someone skillful enough to hold you in the space until it works. If this is your year to be insecurity-free, jump on the insecurityproject.com and begin your journey to become unhindered by getting a free copy of the 7 Essential Practices for Overcoming Insecurity.